Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. Today's episode is the second in our annual series devoted to our popular Meet the Nominees feature film symposium. Now in its 26th year, the event is a roundtable discussion with the directors nominated for the Guild's Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film. This year's nominees include Damien Chazelle, the director of La La Land, Garth Davis, the director of Lion, Barry Jenkins, the director of Moonlight, Kenneth Lonergan, the director of Manchester by the Sea, and Denis Villeneuve, the director of Arrival. Each of these talented directors were gathered on February 4th at the DGA Theatre in Los Angeles to discuss the craft of directing and the making of their films with moderator Jeremy Kagan. So please enjoy part two of our Meet the Nominees special and listen to the five nominees discuss the exciting challenges that come from finding just the right actor to bring a character to life. Highlights include Mr. Davis explaining the immense challenge of casting a five-year-old to play a lead role in the film, Mr. Jenkins speaking about the considerable weight he places on interviewing an actor before he casts them, and Mr. Villeneuve sharing his advice on how to cast aliens. Let's talk about casting. Um, it's, as many says, one of the most important parts of our process. Um, what were you, in, in casting the two boys, both, the, uh, both Kevin and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and both young and middle-aged, or middle-young, the pre-teenagers or teenagers, mm-hmm. what was your process? Um, and I literally mean, what was, this applies to all of you, which is when someone comes in to your room, I'd really like to know what your process is. How do you talk to them? I'm not talking about casting stars. I'm talking about the actors that you're meeting for various parts. And so I'm interested in that process. But particularly with the boys, would you yeah, share I'm, that? You know, I'm as much as about the interview as the re um, in, a, in a casting process like that. You know, I knew I wanted the face of the film to not be stars. You know, so we were actively trying to avoid known faces for the three leads. Um, and, and for me, when they came in, it was as much about this sort of almost like documentary interview, you know, to see what the vibe of and what would the you, person was. If, if I were a nice six-year-old coming in, what would hey, you If you were a six-year-old? Hey, little bro, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you play football, man? Uh, like, no, I don't. Just, just stuff like that. And, uh, no, but and, actually, I'm, and, and would, what would happen? Well, and, it's, and Alex Hibbert uh, came in. Most of the kids came in, and they tried to perform even in the interview. Right. And that, to me, is a clear a clear sign that this person is going to get on my set and then try to to please me. I didn't right. want that. Um, Alex Hibbert, who we cast as little, started asking me questions. You know, he was like this little dude who was an old man, and so <laughs> and so I, I talked with him. You know, and and then I had him had him do the scene. Um, Which scene and, did you choose? You know, because the character is so silent over the course of the piece, I would actually write scenes uh, for them that weren't in this film. They were similar, but they weren't in the film particularly because the biggest scene that he has dialogue-wise, I thought that was a bit aggressive to introduce uh, a non-actor to um, at that stage in the casting process. So uh, I wrote scenes for the little boys in particular uh, to read, but I wasn't as concerned with the quality of the read in the first audition as I was with this sort of interpersonal um, interview. As they came back over the course of callbacks, then yeah, we tried to put them, you know, put them through their paces the same way we would do 
with an Andre Holland or a Travante Rhodes. In making the decision for who was going to play Little, mm -hmm. did you, well, there's this young man and there's this young man, I'm not sure, and what, what happened here? There were, there, were two, there were two young men for, for that particular part that it came down to. Uh, the other young man, I think, was uh, a better actor. You know, I felt like Alex Hibbert had the truer essence. And over the course of, of working with him, he definitely became the better actor of those two kids. Uh, you know, the, the, the interesting thing with Alex was we cast uh, Ashton Sanders first, who mm -hmm. plays Sharon in the second story. He was the first person to audition for any part in the film. Me being a director, I had him come back over and over and over again. And now he was it, the first person you saw for the part. Because it can't be the first person. Oh, yeah, it sometimes it is. Huh? Yeah. And so I felt, I felt, and, and, and I'll give him credit because he stood up to me one day. He said, you know, Barry, why do you keep bringing me back here? He's, he's like, am, am I not good enough? He, he actually, it's like a 17, 18-year-old kid actually said this to me. And I had to admit, uh, I was like, and he actually changed my, my process. I was trying to cast them in pairs. Teen Chiron, Teen Kevin, right. adult Chiron, adult Kevin, cast for chemistry. And then when he stepped to me, I was like, you know what, you're right. You, you, you are by far the best person I've seen for this part. The part is yours. I'm not going to bring you back, but we're going to find somebody who's good enough to stand up with you. Because I kept bringing these kids in with him, and he was eating them alive. Oh, it was, and, and it was just, it was killing me, and I was so scared that we weren't going to find the Kevin. kid to play opposite yeah, him. Yeah. Um, and how'd you find that Kevin? So uh, my casting director, Yessi Ramirez, I don't know if she's here, but I'll give her all the credit in the world. Uh, that part was a part that we, we offered a few people and they passed. Not stars, we just, but, but just you know, regular actors. We offered a few people, they passed. Um, and we kept getting deeper and deeper into the process. It was like two weeks out from production and we had not cast that part. Wow. Uh, but Yessi did this brilliant thing where she started casting the net wider and wider and wider. And she looked at these colleges with undergraduate theater programs in the New York State area, mm. and she found the high schools that were feeder schools for those colleges. And she went on the, the high school website, looked at all the faces, and she asked a bunch of 17-year-old kids to self-tape. And this kid, Jarrell Jerome, uh, he sent in a self-tape. And I was like, this wow. kid. Wow, what scene, what, do you remember what scene? Uh, it was, for the, for the two kids in the, in the high school's uh, uh, chapter, second chapter, it was the, the scene on the beach. It uh, was for, a scene on the for, beach. For them, I was like, you got to know what you're getting into. Wow. And, um, and also, too, because we didn't have any rehearsals on the film. Um, At all. Which, and we just couldn't afford it. Got it. And so, you know, for, for everything, everyone but the kids, mm -hmm. I had to know that they were capable. Right. And so that was, the, that was the scene that we cast them off. Uh, but with Alex Hibbert, we had already cast Trabante Rhodes and Ashton Sanders. Mm -hmm. So I felt like if I knew where the character had to end up, I would have a much better read on where the character had to start. And I knew I wanted the kid to be from Miami. And so it, we only looked at Miami really? for the youngest kid. Wow. Well, he's quite amazing. In fact, all the kids are amazing. Yeah. Speaking of kids, yeah. <laughs> no problem here. I, that was the first kid you saw, right? <laughs> Talk about how you cast. Uh, he, was five um, he was five and a half when I shot, yeah. Talk about, um, talk about, how did you cast a five and a half year old? Well, First, uh, the Shakespeare everyone said reading. I should cast an eight year old that looks young. Nice. It's like the classic, <laughs> right. it must be written somewhere. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it just took away the power of the scenes and, and the innocence. So, um, I don't know, I just, I, I did a bit of research and, and asked people how long it took to cast their child in a movie and it kept coming back six months. It takes about six months and I said, okay. So I rang up the producer and said, we've got to start yesterday. So we got these, uh, we got a casting uh, director in India, Tess Joseph, to start casting in three different cities. And the other complication we had was that this child also had to come with us to Australia, so they needed to get a visa. 
which ruled out any child from a street or a slum because I don't have any identity papers. And even then, there's no guarantee, as we all know in the world that we're living in right now, that they would even get to Australia. So, um, and we also found out that the visa process may take up to six months as well. So we had to push the shoot straight away, um, just through that information. Um, so I don't know. It was, and the, you know, and then and then this child's performance has to hold up the first half of the movie. So it was a pretty scary start. Um, <laughs> this film. But anyway, uh, this casting director went around to all the schools and uh, would get them to do. It was chaotic, and get them to do uh, one little scene. Just literally, they're in a line. Next, next, next. It was that quick. Which scene? Um, it just it might just be lifting up the bicycle. Okay. Or showing the strength, or whatever. Just something very simple. Yeah. A bit of dialogue, a bit of physic physicality, and then I would get all this. Uh, I'd get all this material each each week. Um, you know, I'd get hundreds each week in Dropbox, and I'd go through and you know mark, put a little colour next to ones that I liked. Right. And after about four months, five months, we, you know, and I'd put them up on the wall and start to find all the different characters. And we had about I don't know, 100 to 200 shortlisted children. And I went over there with a, an acting coach from uh, New Zealand, Miranda Harcourt, who is just a genius and brilliant. And we created these rehearsals, like these kind of workshops. And we went, we're just basically two or three weeks just workshopping these children to see if we could find this little boy. And what kind of workshops were? What kind of things went on in the workshops? They were games. They were games to see if they could listen, engage, um, not fall out of the game, you know, like stay in the, in the game that we're playing. Right. And the games were all about your instinct, about um, uh, danger, about love. Um, so, you know, we created all these different games with the children. Can you be specific about a game? Uh, so one, 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 that, one that I used a lot was um, the children had to choose a brother or a sister, a make-believe one, and then that brother or sister had to lie on the ground, and then everyone else in the room uh, was trying to take that child from him. They're going to hurt your brother or sister. So you've got to protect them. And by protecting you, you've got to roar like a lion, like really roar. And um, so the closest, you know, so you've got to eyes. And if you see someone who's going to get too close, you've got to protect your brother or sister. And it was really great because it very quickly showed me children weren't afraid to go there. And they understood what it was to have family and to protect family. And a lot of kids just go, ah, you know, it's not working. And we had this little technique where I would scream and then I'd get them to scream, and then if I got higher, I'd do this with my hand. And I'd go, oh, we'll get it here, you're here. And just very simple, because they don't speak English. Um, so we had all these very basic games that... Um, Give me one more game that you remember, that you remember. Uh, <laughs> um, if you remember, it's okay. This is a fabulous one. I'm just, but you know, this is um, something we're learning from, honestly. Well, I, I set up with, when I got, when I got my selects, who I, you know, uh, Sonny Pawa for, Saru and Abhishek for Gudu, I, I wanted to see them together. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, these kids were scavengers, you know, they would go under trains and do all sorts of things. So I wanted to see if they could do that in a real environment. So I, I spoke to this little stall and I said, these kids are going to come and try and steal an orange. But don't, don't, just don't tell them. And so the kids, I said, look, like, and I just made him sleep. I said, just act like if you're sleeping. So this guy in the stall was just asleep in India. <laughs> and I said to the boys, go and steal I go, we can't do that. It's okay. It's okay. So you see these boys going up. And it was just beautiful to watch how the brothers helped each other steal this orange. Um, but I just wanted to see if they had the guts to 
go up to a real person or, um, yeah. you know, because sure. that was going to be the methodology of the shooting. Sure. And was it as easy to find Guru as, Guru as it was to find Cyril? Guru was an actor, actually, oh, okay. uh, Abhishek, and he was just beautiful. He's just this uh, pure light. And, uh, I mean, it was, that was actually a gift. And, and was it like, as, as with Barry, he came in, he was the first one and you knew, or did you... Pretty much. Um, in both cases, I knew straight away. Um, and then it was just a, a process of seeing if they could actually act or have the potential for acting. And the other thing I do is check out the parents. Um, I just go, can I meet your mum and dad? And then what we also did is we, with the shortlisted children, we brought them back the next day and make, make them wait the whole day. Just see if they can deal with time and pressure. So, um, so they were sort of in an outer air Like outer all of them, just the family, and just see if they actually arrive on time. And, and then we'd even do another test um, a bit later. So three callbacks, just to see. We needed to know if they had the endurance and um, reliability. So. Did you also need to know if he could run? Because he has one of the best runs I've seen in a long he time. He loves running. I mean, did you ask them to run? Or was that just after you'd cast them? Yeah, oh, no, I we, yeah I, often when I like to work with the actors, it's not in a studio. I like to um, have a space that has an outdoor area. I do a lot of my work with actors outside. Mm -hmm. um, so, And just, again, having w little worlds that we can take the actors into um, and try different things. Yeah, they were in a car lot. In fact, there was a scene, um, it was about trust. It was a little exercise on trust. So Guru um, had little um, little Sonny on his back, piggyback, and had his eyes closed. So I said to little Sonny, you've got to get him back to the back to base, you know. He goes, he's going left, right, left, right. And I said to Guru, just get it wrong a couple of times, you know. So little boy, little Sonny go, go left. And he went right. And he goes, no, 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 left. And they're like, um, <laughs> um, so that actually ended up in the film, that idea, um, when they're in the forest. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, um, you know, it was a... It was, I mean, casting is a massive challenge. And you enjoy it, clearly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do love it. It's my favorite bit, probably. Yeah, yeah. I can see. Damien, the three girls who are the roommates, how did you cast them? Because they're dancing and singing, and I'm interested in the process of, you know, how'd you find them? Uh, it was, you know, it was, uh, <clears throat> that took a while because, there were, there, there were sort of, you know, obviously various parts of the audition, you know, um, and they were kind of uh, parceled out. Um, I mean, one one of the actresses I knew, just her work a little bit, uh, Sonia Mizuno, um, mm -hmm. who's an ex machina, and, uh, and um, she just has this incredible screen presence that, you know, um, um, and she's, she's a dancer. Uh, she's a, a former ballet student ballerina. Um, so that was kind of somewhat, uh, she, I think, was one of the first people to be cast. And then the other two, yeah, it was just uh, Callie Hernandez and Jessica Roth. It was just, uh, um, you know, a combination, really, of, of my casting director, Deb Aquila, and the choreographer kind of doing their own sort of searches. And we'd kind of see, you know, whether it was actors who could dance a little, dancers who could act a little. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of... Uh, tricky thing because those worlds don't overlap as much as they used to, you know, and... Um, when someone would come in to you, particularly in those parts, if you remember, what would you be asking them to do? I mean, how would you engage them at that moment in, the, in that particular casting situation? Well, if it's me, I'm, I'm just, in, I'm really engaging them on, on the character and the dialogue, you know. Um, uh, I would always do a fair amount of improvisation with them um, and uh, um, just kind of just sort of get a sense of who they are, both as people and as performers, you know, as sort of 
like Barry was saying, I mean, it's not, uh, I think there's only a limited amount of information you actually get from a cold read, you know, um, it can be a useful starting point, but it's not really, I don't know, I think almost everyone sucks in a cold read, so I think you have to kind of, you have to like uh, look outside that narrow parameter a little bit and let them show you who they really are. Um, what, and if you're going to, if you were doing improv, what kind of improv will you set up? What will you do? Um, I would, you know, uh, I mean, so, sometimes, nor, you know, sometimes it would be with my, I mean, Deb, uh, the casting director, she got very used to these sort of situations that I would throw her and the actors in because <laughs> I would like to just watch and, um, and she was very game. Uh, I think she really enjoyed it. Uh, was you know, and I would just kind of throw, throw things at them. Usually, it had to do with, uh, with kind of what it felt like it would be like to me to have a bunch of people kind of competing for the same jobs, all living together, and which is a little bit actually not on the acting side, but it was a little bit my life um, when I first moved to LA. I was rooming with three or so other people, and we were all trying to be writers or directors, and and you're kind of like you know, you support each other and you smile and you're really excited when the other person books this and that, but really you're pissed off. And, <laughs> and, and that, I just wanted that feeling, you know, I think I, I wanted to see people who could kind of play that, like, um, now, would you... not tip it f too far over into a parody where everyone is actually backstabbing, but not, but, but actually get a little bit of a hint of that thing that you, you, you're a fool if you don't admit is there a little bit, you know? Would you describe to the actress or actor who just come in what, how you, what you just did describe to us, or are you asking them, or are you setting up a scene where you, that might get revealed? I'm just sort of, how do you get to see what you just asked for? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't talk that long. I, mean, I would probably just kind of try to just give them a very quick situation, like, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, um, um, so, you know, I'd tell Deb, you know, De you just, you just booked a part and, um, and, and so I'd have the other actor just kind of keep asking them questions with their motivation being asking questions that are going to kind of make them themselves feel better, you know? So it's like, uh, you know. And so um, you were, you were pairing them though. These are, these actors were coming in at... No, no, no. Cause these would be, so that's why I would always oh, be with, with, with the, Deb, with the, the cast director. Yeah. So Got she it. became the kind of... <laughs> the, more or less willing kind of like uh, uh, improv participant in all of these things. And that would be in combination with, with reads. And then obviously sort of in a separate audition process was singing, dancing, um, where I would either be present or be looking at tapes, but those would be more guided by Mandy, the choreographer, because she knew what kind of steps, what kind of moves. And she was just looking for, for, for you know, uh, uh, shapes, really, you know, just kind of uh, what, what kind of, if someone moved a little more ballet-like, if someone moved a little more jazz-like, I mean, you'll find so many people just say on their resume that you know they they uh, that they're a, a virtuoso tap dancer, and, and you know you realize it's not always true. Um, <laughs> so, so you do need to do but that. But the times where you disagreed, where I like this actress because of what she's or he's giving, but this, you know, she's well, it was always a little bit of that that fight where it's a little bit you know because you're evaluating two or three different um, different skill sets. There was a little bit of a you know this over this. Um, but I mean, it was that way even with, um, you know, any of the parts who had to perform musical stuff uh, outside of the roles that we went out to, you know, outside of the name roles. Um, but for example, all the people in the first number and the, tra uh, the traffic set number, that was also very important. There, you, you know, you, you, don't, you don't ever hear them speak, but it was much more important to me that they, uh, that they 
look the part and act the part than that they'd be the greatest dancer in the world. You know, oh. that they, um, they had to be able to technically pull off what's a very difficult piece of choreography. So there's a certain base level they had to be, be able to do. But, um, but my greatest kind of fear of that was that, you know, it, it would just be a bunch of uh, completely chiseled um, sort of, uh, uh, you know, so you think you could dance kind of dancers getting out of a freeway and it just doesn't, <laughs> I wanted to feel like real people, like you were on a freeway and there was a real mix of, of, uh, of dancing styles, acting styles, and looks. So each person who came in then for all those, for that, the, the freeway sequence in the open, acknowledged that they, quote, could dance. I mean, there's nobody coming in saying, uh, I, I don't know if I can, right? I, I'm saying, I realize you're picking very specifically because you wanted these personalities and, and, and characters, but they all said they could dance, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone says they can dance. So oh. that's, that's what you realize. Good, good, good. Were there parts for you? Actually, this is just on my person. The guy who sings the songs in the band and outside in the in the you know who's the, uh, the in, in, in the pool area yeah, yeah. when they first in, mm -hmm. when they meet, who is that guy? Did, did you know this? Or no, no, I don't. No, 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 I just um, I, no. It's funny because that's that's a guy I went to college with. I've known him since. Uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, this is how I met my composer Justin Hurwitz. Uh, Justin put a band together, like a rock band, in freshman year of college. I was the drummer. Justin was the pianist, and. Well, this is, I mean, so this guy auditioned to be the drummer. So he and I auditioned together. I, I won the part as the drummer, so we made him the singer. And, uh, and that's, uh, and that was our freshman, you know, college band. Um, but, uh, but I kept in touch with him, and he, uh, he lives in LA, and he never acted before, but, you know, it's just, uh, he's just a character, and I just knew that, that he would be, um, yeah, he'd be just right for. <laughs> <laughs> was, there, was there a part that was difficult for you to find? I'm talking about not not in terms of the, cat, the lead cast, but in terms of any other parts where there's one. Yeah, you know, um, the mo the most you know actually, I mean the 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 uh, the most difficult parts were the smallest parts, really. You know, it was. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, you kind of. Uh, you know, the, 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 the quote I really believe, I mean, it's like the, the, there, there actually is no such thing as a small part. Like there's really, um, especially when you're trying to kind of create a tonal balance in a world that's, that's a little, um, you know, where one detail off can really throw the whole thing off, that can throw the tone out the window. Um, we kind of, we had a lot of difficulty with, yeah, like with some of, some of uh, finding some of the people in the opening traffic number or um, even down to, I mean, we spent so long, uh, uh, Listening to voices, you know, for some of the numbers, because because everyone, everyone who sort of you know kind of goes up for a musical these days, they all sing a certain way. They all sing. Um, I shouldn't say they all sing, but say ninety percent of them um, sing a certain way, and it's a way that's kind of been kind of become part of the culture through you know later iterations of Broadway into American Idol and into and. Um, and that type of singing can be great, and you know I have nothing against it, but it just was really important to me that this movie not have that type of singing, that the singing be much more conversational and much more um, a little jazz flavored. But then, of course, you find when you when we would sometimes go after purely jazz singers, and um, um, uh, and then that would actually tip us into you know a sort of sounding like a lounge act or something. So it's it's uh, I'm talking here about not not again not about the leads, but just no, about. Um, 
uh, uh, people we were auditioning either for singing or dancing or dancers who we would dub. Um, you know, some of the voices in the opening draft number are dubbed um, singing voices. And um, that was, yeah, I mean, I, you know, so some of that was all the way through into the last days of the mix. We were kind of weighing one voice or this voice. And, and um, um, yeah, I mean, like one, one voice, I think it was the second male voice or something, that number, it took us literally eight months to find a voice that I was okay with. Um, cause it just, and again, it seems, it seems like it shouldn't be hard, but it's, it's, it, it was not about how well you hit the notes or how it was about just a certain tone that had to feel like singing, but not singing. Um, but also singing enough to support the number, but raw enough to, it's just, it was this balance that was very you tricky. you realize that that particular part, that, that voice, because you'd cast the person to play the, in the scene. Uh, but that was not the voice you liked. Did you know when you were shooting that oh, that's, or you actually pre-recorded, but th that that's not the voice, but the guy has the right presence, he has the right moves? Well, I mean, the one number where we didn't worry too much about voices when shooting was the opening traffic number, precisely because mm -hmm. you never hear them speak later. So, um, so there's no frame of reference for the voice. So as long, you know, so, so we, we, we cast that for, for acting and dancing specifically. Um, you know, they had to be able to properly lip sync. Um, it was good if they could kind of sing out the number. Um, and I think a few of them we weighed using their actual voices because they did happen to be great singers. Um, I don't think we wound up using any of the actual voices, but um, yeah. It, but then again, it becomes kind of a combo thing. Cool, cool. Uh, Kenneth, the, uh, Patrick, how did you find him? Oh, <clears throat> well, I made, Lucas Hedges, uh, I made Lucas Hedges audition a lot. Um, he, uh, we, Doug Abel, who's the casting director, who's really great with kids particularly, uh, he, he said to me, he was actually our first choice. He, he came in first, and I made him audition six times <laughs> until... We have I, a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did not, however, have the nerve to ask me why. He just kept coming in. <laughs> um, and uh, it's interesting because he's, you know, he was 17, playing 16, um, Part was originally supposed to be 15, but I bumped it up a little bit when we ended up casting Lucas. Um, and he just, he's this, you know, he's now been working steadily pretty much since since he did Manchester. So he's now, I think, accumulated kind of a body of experience, but he'd only done a few small parts before. And he was this incredible talent, but he didn't have, you know, if he couldn't do it, he didn't have any way to get there. So, it was, and I'd never worked with an actor uh, like that before because I worked with young people before, but they'd all had some technique or some chops and, and I shouldn't say chops because he's got plenty of chops but he just he would get to this place where he'd be just stuck and so I really had to and, and we don't we now speak a common language but at first we didn't so for instance I would occasionally try to have him improvise to loosen him up and he just would seize you know he's like dude whenever I have to improvise I just freak out <laughs> so I'm like okay we won't be doing that right. <laughs> <laughs> um so, but uh, he just auditioned a lot, and he just had this great, you know, we saw these great guys, but one of them, some of them seemed more like the kid, more like he was from really, there, he was really from the area. Another one had more of this and more of that, but he just had this beautiful emotional transparency, and then as it turned out, this incredible flexibility to make himself into this character. Uh, you know, he grew up in Brooklyn Heights. In the, in the in the sessions where you would bring him back in, no. what, how did they change? What were you doing with him? Well, I think he had a kind of, he was really good at getting emotional, so he had a little trouble, And but he, but he, I, I, I think this, one of the scenes we 
the, the scene that we auditioned a lot the first couple of times, the first few times, was a, a scene where he wasn't particularly emotional. He was talking about his father. Uh, I, I now can't remember. I think it was talking. I think it was that walk and talk after the funeral home where they're talking about whether the, what's going to happen to the body and when are they going to bury him. And uh, and Lucas had a little heart, a little bit of trouble relating to that because he's never he's been fortunate and he's never lost anyone close to him. So I would say that. So I said to him, you know, when someone you love dies, you expect to have this big reaction and you don't. He's like, dude, I, no one I love has really ever died. I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, hmm, all right. <laughs> so we just try to figure different ways to get to it. Um, and and he, I mean, the the growth, uh, the perpendicular from where he started to where he ended up, just yeah. incredible. He just embraced everything, and we finally found a way to talk to each other that worked really well. Um, and, and it was part of the audition process bringing him that many times, finding that way to talk to him? Yeah, because I could see how good he was, but I couldn't get, I couldn't find a language to convey what I meant to him in a way that was good for him, which is obviously the point. It's not, you know, the whole point is to bring out what's in the actor, not to do anything else. Um, and uh, so he was the last, either the last person or the second to the last person cast, and he was cast very close to the beginning of shooting. It was really scary because I was so nervous. I, I now realize it was. I didn't need to audition him that many times, but I was, I was, I was, you know, the movie really rests, on, half the movie rests on him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I got to give him the part to his face, which was really great. In Cause, person? Yeah, because I made him come up, we were in, we were scouting and we were up in, Glo in Gloucester and he, I made him get on the train and come up to read with Casey, who had been unavailable for the earlier two weeks. So they, they it was the second time they had met. And then we were all on the train back to New York together and I was, and I, decided to cast him so I went over and he was sitting in the train he was sure he'd blown it because um, I hadn't cast him you know we'd gone to the casting office we got in the car we'd gone back to the train station got in the train and it was just like man we're gonna have to ride back to New York together for four hours and him not having the part I think is what he was thinking and so I I went up to him and I said so Lucas you have the part and he was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know could you have told it to him an hour earlier no, because I just, I just, you know, I can't make decisions any other way. I have to look at everything many times on bo uh, at both alternatives. I mean, if I'm not sure, if I'm sure, it's easy. But if I'm not yeah. sure, I just have to go back and forth a lot. Till I I got it. Were there other parts besides his that were difficult to cast? It was very hard to cast a part of his mother that Gretchen Maul played. We saw, and it was the opposite problem. We had one great actress after another come in, but nobody, I can't even explain exactly what it was. The combination of the, the fragility and the... Uh, the the uh, emotional fragility and this incredible tension that she carries around with her and the insensitivity to other people but incredibly sensitive to what's happening to herself uh -huh. and also the what I like to call the oversensitive insensitive <laughs> kind of person because you're like how can they be so dense about other people when they're such a live nerve and I realize it's, cause it's just about them <laughs> it, it actually goes together really organically uh, Took me a long time to come to that formulation. <laughs> uh, and Gretchen just went on tape for Doug Abel, and he and he said, "I think we got it." And he showed me the tape, and she was just perfect. Also, she did the accent beautifully, and just seemed really right for the region. And and so this is, but you you you, you cast her off the tape, not after off music. Yeah, it's a combination. Some people were offers, um, Casey and Michelle, obviously, and but I I was just you know dying to have them. And then uh, other people were actors. Some actors that I knew, some that I hadn't, who came in and auditioned and worked with them, and other people would be cast off tape. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Didn't he, 
Denny, what's your process for casting? When an actor comes in, what do you usually do? Honestly, I don't think it's interesting. I think that... How come? The, the, no, no, but because we heard, like, honestly, four great process uh, about the way you interact with actors. And, and so that, as I was listening to your, your story, I was, what can I bring more in, like, <laughs> I can change the subject. <laughs> because, and, and uh, I don't think I have, like, uh, uh, it's a very, 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 very difficult process, casting. It's, I, it's not my favorite part because it's bring a lot of anxiety. And, and it, I, 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 thought, I think it's very, very, and it's the most crucial process and it's very difficult. The thing that I, I can talk to you about is how to cast aliens. <laughs> that, <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> do you, do you sort of do improv, improv with them or is it a... No, is but it's true because like, uh, uh, I took that, you know, I was like, I was dreaming to do sci-fi since decades, you know, and for me it was like, at last I will have a, and it became quickly a nightmare. The thing is, with actors, you have like you have specific uh, qualities that you're looking for, and you're trying to, and a bunch of a group of people, you're trying to choose a person that will fulfill the, those desires. But when you have to create a creature, uh, I thought that it would be easy because I would be the god creating the, and 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 uh, and, and it, it became uh, you know making a movie is a, is a little war. And you try to to win as much battles uh, uh, as you can, and and the design of the alien for me was a, a battle that I will not, uh, I will. It was not. I, I would make no compromise, no concession. Uh, I knew that uh, when people were reading the screenplay, they were everybody was seeing a little ET with big eyes, <laughs> a friendly creature, and me. I wanted something that will be a, a representation of death, something that will. Uh, uh, where my main character at the end of the, the movie will have a, con a conversation with an entity that will have a strong presence, strong intelligence, but will be very far away from any anthropomorphism. And, and um, I worked for months with, with uh, an artist from Los Angeles here, Carlos Fuente. Uh, I casted Carlos. I mean, I, I saw a lot of work from different uh, uh, artists. But him, I felt that he had the possibility to bring a soul into a, and not design entities, not creatures. I wanted really, it's very delicate. And, and, and uh, so I, uh, the, it's a shape that it looks really, it's, it looks uh, arbitrary. It looks, it was so long to come to that shape, to the texture of that skin, to convince everybody that the, the alien will not convey information through his eyes, but through its presence, to his mass, to, to, to his shape. That uh, and I came with uh, that strange shape that because for me it was like a kind of a representation of death that black end looked like a grim reaper, and and uh, other a friend said it looks like a, a, a top academy award, but <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but and and uh, and uh, when once you design and once I was able to convince everybody that it we will fall and I, again I must say. Uh, I'm grateful for the, uh, all the producers and the, 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 to have let me to go there. It was like painting, you know, you had the relationship with those aliens, like I, I was doing painting alone in my basement. It was like the most uh, intimate process of arrival, maybe. And, and um, then once you have the shape that is freaking out everybody, 
I'm talking, uh, they were very afraid because there was no eyes. The, 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 um, it's how the behavior, how to create the behavior, behavior. And honestly, I have a lot of respect now for directors that are doing uh, animated movies like Pixar, because out to, to the amount of people, so I'm used to, when I do a movie, I'm used to work with people around me that like the, the cinematographer, the Russian designer, the actors, they, they're all in my bubbles. But when you talk to a VFX supervisor that will, will talk to another guide, another box that will talk to a computer artist in, in London, or, it's, it's very, uh, uh, um, I had to travel a lot to be with the artist side by side to explain to them that the alien will not behave like a puppy. At the beginning, they were like, to, to create the right uh, behaviors, culture, the way they will uh, uh, communicate, the will uh, so that that's all, that was by far in arrival my toughest uh, casting the, problems with uh, the alien. There are two ways we see the alien. We see the base of the alien, but we don't know it's the base of the alien. And then deep into the film, we actually see the full being. What was the, your process of dealing with these two aspects? Because we don't see that second aspect until late in the film. Uh, it came from the fact that I knew that I was dealing with a movie that uh, the structure would be based on a process, which means that uh, uh, some, and it, it's cool, you know? So it's like a, a teacher goes in a, in a little room, teach something, goes out with a, a clue, and then, and that would be a, a repetitive, repetitive prep, uh, pattern through the, the, the movie. And I was like, okay, how can I, I uh, keep the tension alive? How can I, I, I uh, beside the, the mystery of the story there, I just felt that uh, uh, aesthetically I needed uh, uh, something to help me as a filmmaker to, to, to keep uh, uh, some attention and, and, and some tension. And that there, there was the idea that I came up with the idea of the striptease, which is uh, slowly I will un unveil something of the aliens every time they come, they come inside the... the there was this idea of that white plasma that will be there, like a veil, that will slowly. Uh, the more you you are getting closer to the, the the creature, the entity, the 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 more defined it will come. It will become. So there was like three layers of. Uh, at the beginning, they just enter in the door. They are frightened to as uh, to death. They don't want to to come closer. And then, obviously, they they get closer and closer to the the screen and and i i love the idea that uh, part of it will be uh, just revealed at the end so it was like really part of this slow process of uh, of uh, and playing with the perception that they look quite small at the beginning the more you get closer to them they are gigantic creatures i like this presence you know to feel a, a different kind of intelligence to try to diff to create with the creature the feeling you have when you are beside a very huge animal like uh, I've been to, uh, I had the chance once to be very close to a whale. You know, and the, that that feeling that you're dealing with something that is thinking and seeing the world in a different way, but still there's like a a, a contact, a very strange intuitive contact that I, I, I was looking, I was trying to recreate that. Got it. We hope you enjoyed listening to part two of this exclusive discussion. You can watch the full video of the feature film symposium on our website at dga.org slash events. And be sure to download next week's episode, where our five feature film nominees will finish their conversation. Check out past episodes of The Director's Cut by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 
Music is by Dan Wally.